we will again spend time in the Word uh, for the remaining time in our service here today. By the way, we're on a journey. Uh, I really believe that God wants to speak to us uh, in this whole area. And, you know, for some of you, you might have missed one or two services along the way. We've ministered now for three weeks on the subject of uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, the series of messages is entitled um, Receiving and Walking in the Blessing of Pentecost. And um, and really, Pentecost should not be an option for us that we should take or leave, as it were. Pentecost is for every believer. By the way, today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, we've been speaking along the way for the last few weeks. The Pentecost Sunday is coming. Well, it's here today. This is Pentecost Sunday. And we said that uh, 2,000 years ago, on the day of Pentecost, uh, God put out his Holy Spirit upon all flesh. Um, and we said that Pentecost ought not to just be a date on the calendar, but it, it is the experience where believers get baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so I'm going to pick up again from Acts chapter 2, verse 1, uh, which is in many respects our key uh, scripture here. In uh, Acts 2, 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say all. Not just some, but they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so in the last few weeks, we've been speaking about the importance of, of uh, getting baptized with the Holy Spirit. But we said that there's an ongoing need for us to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. When we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, we get filled um, but just because we're filled today doesn't automatically mean that we're going to be filled next week. We need to be refilled over and over again. And here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, um, the Bible tells us to drink of this. It says, drink the spirit of God, huge drafts of him. And so we said that God tells us to drink huge drafts of the spirit but there's still a lot of sipping of the Spirit going on. And if you were not here last week, uh, you don't know what that means now, but, uh, but you want to get on board. Uh, in fact, jump on, the, uh, on our website and download the message for yourself and listen to it so you're part of the journey that God is taking us on. Amongst other things, last week we talked about the difference between the indwelling and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And there's definitely two separate uh, things and two separate events. We've said that when we first get saved by receiving Jesus as the Lord of our lives, uh, the Holy Spirit comes and uh, dwells and lives on the inside of us. And we said that that's, if you like, the salvation measure, the born-again measure of the Holy Spirit. But subsequent to that, God wants us to have an additional experience of what the old-time Pentecostal used to call the second blessing, which is the baptism with the Holy Spirit, where we get filled up with the Holy Spirit, and we call that the baptism measure. So we got the born-again measure and the baptism measure. The born-again measure is a measure, but it's not the full measure. It is just a deposit of the Spirit in our lives, but the baptism measure is then the full measure, and along with that comes uh, the gift of speaking in tongues, and it is also the doorway into all the other gifts of the Spirit. 
And we said that we as believers can, can uh, uh, receive progressively greater measures of the Holy Spirit as we grow spiritually. Our capacity increases to receive more of the Spirit and to walk in greater measures uh, of uh, Holy Spirit power in our lives. And then finally, we said that uh, the level of filthness by the Holy Spirit in our lives is determined by the level of our hunger and our uh, willingness to be controlled by him. Um, so I'm going to uh, move on from there this morning and have a look at the uh, vision that prophet Ezekiel had uh, recorded for us in Ezekiel chapter 47. Let's just pray and commit our time to God and let's trust God to speak to us. And by the way, it's all right to relax. Don't be tense. Uh, don't be distracted. Uh, let's just really uh, make room for God, to speak to us here this morning and to bring a fresh impartation into our lives. Heavenly Father, at this time, Lord, we just clear aside all concerns, all worries. We cast them all on you. And we thank you, Father, that, uh, Lord, as the preaching and the teaching of God's Word takes place, we thank you, Father, that there is an impartation of your Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that there is an impartation of faith. We thank you, Lord, that knowledge comes. We thank you, Father, that understanding comes. We thank you, Lord God, that wisdom comes. Lord, that uh, we have got the ability to solve problems, that solutions, uh, Lord, spoken into our lives uh, through the teaching and preaching of your Word. And, Lord, we choose, as always, to be uh, not only hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's look at the uh, vision that prophet Ezekiel had uh, recorded for us in Ezekiel chapter 30, uh, 47. And I read the first nine verses here, and this is out of the Living Bible. Uh, Ezekiel had a vision, and in that vision, he was taken around by an angelic being uh, to show him around uh, situation that was going to happen in the future. So he says here in verse 1, he says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. I saw a stream flowing eastward from beneath the temple and passing uh, to the right of the altar that is on the south side. Then he brought me outside the wall through the north passageway and around the eastern entrance where I saw the stream flowing along uh, on the south side of the eastern passageway. Now, please don't get confused with north, south, and eastern passageways and different things. All right. Uh, the detail, as far as that's concerned, is not overly important uh, at this point in time. Verse 3 says that measuring as he went, he took me a hundred and uh, 1,500 feet, rather, east along the stream, and he told me to go across. At that point, the water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,500 feet, and he told me to cross again. This time, the water was up to my knees. 1,500 feet after that, it was up to my waist, and another 1,500 feet, uh, it had become a river so deep, I wouldn't be able to cross it unless I were to swim. It was too deep to cross on foot. Verse 6, he says, And he told me to keep in mind what I had seen, then let me back along the bank of the river. And now to my surprise, many trees were growing on both sides of the river. He told me this river flows east through the desert and the Jordan Valley to the Dead Sea, where it will heal the salty waters and make them fresh and pure. Everything touching the water of this river shall live. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will be healed. Wherever this water flows, everything will live. Wow, what a story, what a vision, what a thing to look forward to. 
uh, in terms of the literal fulfillment um, of what we've just uh, read here. You know, Ezekiel saw this vision of this life-giving river flowing out from under the temple that is yet to be built. Um, and in fact, the Bible scholars uh, uh, not entirely in agreement in regards to the actual time of the fulfillment uh, of this situation. But we know one thing is sure, the Dead Sea today is still the Dead Sea. All right. The Bible tells us right there that uh, that uh, the Dead Sea is going to be made fresh, going to be turned into fresh water and will be teeming with fish. There's no fish in there today. So we know it has not already transpired. This is still future. All right. Um, and, uh, and, and and interesting uh, that Ezekiel's vision recorded for us here in, in Ezekiel 30, uh, 47 is very similar or it has similarities to John's vision that John the apostle saw of heaven uh, or should I say of uh, the new earth and the new Jerusalem coming down, uh, which also speaks of a river. Let me read that to you just so we get our perspective here in Revelation chapter 22 verse 1 and verse 2. Um, Again, an angelic being here. He says, he pointed out to me a river of pure water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, coursing down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew trees of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit uh, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Um, and so you can, we can see similarities here where the Bible speaks about a river flowing out from in the in Ezekiel situation out from underneath the temple. And in the New Jerusalem, uh, this is like way on uh, at the beginning of eternity, if eternity ever had a beginning. We know eternity doesn't have a beginning, but we're entering into eternity. Um, and uh, and uh, that's going to be after the thousand-year reign of Christ, after the great white throne judgment, uh, and so forth. And then the Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, in, the, in the new earth, there's not going to be any sea. So what Ezekiel saw is not going to happen in eternity. It's happening in the thousand-year reign uh, of Christ that uh, he will set up and he returns very soon. Um, and so with all of that understanding, uh, one thing I want to focus on this morning uh, is, uh, is that river that uh, the Bible speaks about here. Um, and, uh, you know, we see here that uh, Ezekiel's river flows out from underneath the temple. Uh, of course, the temple will be built uh, in Jerusalem. Um, and if you can imagine the map of Israel, uh, you got, if you like, uh, you know, the Middle East and you got, uh, you got Iraq and you work your way down through, you know, Lebanon and so forth. You got Israel and you go further south uh, and so forth. Uh, the Bible says uh, that, uh, that that river is going to flow out from the temple. It'll flow, uh, it'll flow eastward and then it'll flow down south into the Dead Sea. Eastward uh, from Jerusalem, they have a valley coming out, what they call the Valley of Kidron, um, which is just uh, uh, that whole region there is a desert-like, very arid lands. There's not much going on down there in terms of growth because it, it's very dry um, and, uh, and, and there is not any, anything happened down there. That's why when Ezekiel, when he was taken back to the banks of the river, and suddenly he, he noticed that there were trees on either side of, of the river. He was surprised because they weren't there before. It's a very arid land, uh, desert-like region, uh, if you like. And the Dead Sea is literally dead. There is no life in it whatsoever. They reckon that the Dead Sea uh, holds six to seven times more salt 
than what uh, the the sea does, you know, the, the, the oceans around the world. Um, in fact, I reckon 25% of the seawater is salt. Um, and just, just phenomenal, just incredible. Um, but anyway, all of that to say this, that, uh, that that river in Ezekiel's vision flows out from underneath the temple um, through desert-like region to bring life and then on into the Dead Sea to change the Dead Sea into a live sea and to make it teeming uh, with fish. Further on, it tells us that there were going to be fishermen uh, along the edge of the water throwing out their nets again and bringing in fish and so forth. So it's just phenomenal uh, what is happening when God gets involved and when the river of life uh, flows into dead areas. So a few points I want to make, I guess, to, to summarize what we have just read out of Ezekiel uh, chapter 47. The river increases in depth as it flows along. It's very interesting. Now, of course, this river uh, is river of life-giving water. It's not just, uh, there's not other tributaries flowing in from other hills or other mountains or anything. It is just a self-perpetuating, a self-increasing uh, river that flows out um, and increases as it goes in depth and, I guess, in width. And we'll come back to that in just a little while. There's many trees that grow along its banks. Um, Ezekiel tells us uh, that, uh, that those trees will produce edible fruits uh, each month. So each month there's a harvest. And the next month there's another harvest. And the following month another harvest. All different types of fruits. You know, when God gets involved somewhere, there's abundance um, dead places are made alive. Arid and desert-like regions are turned into just the, the, most, the most amazingly fertile areas. And God wants to do that in your life and in mine. In fact, I wonder, it's quite possible that some of you have got desert-like regions in the area in your life where things are just not working properly and a kind of dead God wants to bring life uh, into those areas. So listen carefully uh, because God wants to speak to us about these things. So trees are growing um, 12 harvests a year, if there's 12 months in the year. Then the leaves of the trees will be used for medicine. Um, and of course, we've read in, in uh, Revelation that in that future river, uh, also yet to come, uh, the leaves will also be used for the healing of the nations. So there's going to be some uh, healing properties uh, in these leaves. Um, and then finally, the river brings life and healing to everything it touches. Everything it touches. Everything, wherever the river goes, uh, the river brings life. Uh, whatever is dead will be made alive. Uh, whatever is salty will be made fresh. Now, a bit further on, it speaks about some of the swamps and some of the marshes in that area will be left. Uh, they will not be made alive uh, and so forth, but the actual Dead Sea itself will be completely turned around. Now, uh, we've read a scripture that will have a future fulfillment. Uh, as I say, it hasn't happened yet. Um, the Dead Sea is still dead. All right. And as with all scriptures that deal with future events, there is, if you like, an interpretation. We can talk about that to a certain extent. And there's also an application. Just because this hasn't happened yet, there's still an application for us uh, in our lives today. So what's the interpretation? Well, the literal river in Ezekiel's vision speaks of God's presence fl flowing forth to bring God's blessing, God's abundance, and God's healing wherever it flows. That's the interpretation. 
interpretation of it. That water is not just ordinary water. It is the water of life, if you like, where it is. It speaks of the presence of God that flows out from underneath that temple. And wherever that water goes, it'll absolutely bring life. Interesting, too, that uh, uh, Zechariah tells us about a, a river flowing out as well. And he tells us that that river will split into two. One, one part will flow into the Red Sea, uh, into the Dead Sea, rather. And the other part will flow into the Mediterranean Sea and bringing life. And I guess once it goes into the Mediterranean Sea that, you know, it has the potential to flow around the world. But we don't want to get too uh, detailed in respect of that. So the interpretation is that this literal river, and it will be a literal river um, that uh, speaks of the presence of God flowing out and bringing life wherever he goes. Now, the application of all of that today is that through the baptism with the Holy Spirit, we have received our own river of life-giving water today. <laughs> I tell you, um, if the devil has shrouded one truth, down through the years, ever since the first day of Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out and kept that from people uh, or covered it over after it initially took place, it would be the area of the baptism with the Spirit. The devil does not want people to have that river of living water flowing from the inside of them. He wants to just, you know, keep them wherever they are. And uh, you see, today, we're not looking for a physical river. You know, there's even people that are still looking for the Garden of Eden, uh, literally, they're looking for the Garden of Eden. There is a physical place on this earth called the Garden of Eden, but the Bible tells us that God has placed an angel uh, to its entrance, and it will not be found. Um, wh why the Garden of Eden? Because there is a tree in that Garden of Eden called the Tree of Life. And people are looking for the Tree of Life. But you know what? When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've got the Tree of Life on the inside of you. Don't be looking for no physical thing, no physical river, no physical tree. <laughs> and, you know, that river there that uh, if you were to look for it today, it's not there because uh, it, will, it, will, it will spring up uh, from a temple that is yet to be built. Uh, it is a future scenario. But in the meantime, God's given you and me the ability to receive that river of living water on the inside of us through the baptism with the Holy Spirit and to have that perpetual life-giving river flowing and not only for our own personal lives, but also to flow into other people's lives. You see, we become the containers. We become, if you like, the reservoir where we walk around and that life-giving water wants to flow out to people that have got dead, a deadness in their lives to make them alive, that have got sickness in their life to bring healing, that have got bondage in their lives to bring liberty and all of these other things. Wherever this river flows, the Bible tells us it brings life. And that is the whole picture here of what we see today, that we're not looking for physical rivers, we're not looking for physical trees. We've got the tree of life on the inside of us. If you're born again, Jesus Christ is your tree of life. And if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us here, and we looked at that last week in John chapter 7, verse 37, says that Jesus stood and he cried out saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, from his inmost being will flow rivers of living water. 
Um, but this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. And so Jesus used uh, the word water there in a figurative sense of the Holy Spirit indwelling us and flowing out from us. Um, and that's that whole picture there that you and I need to understand. When uh, this angelic being took uh, Ezekiel around and showed him the temple, showed him the water flowing out, its direction and what it'll do, and its depth increasing as, as it went, he says, keep in mind what you've just seen. And friends, we need to keep in mind that as Pentecostal believers, we have a river of living water flowing on the inside of us, and we shouldn't ignore it. We need to work with this thing. We need to know how to get that river perpetuated and get it flowing out uh, into different areas of our lives and then on into the lives of other people. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, and we looked at it last week, God referred to himself as the fountain of living water. When we got born again and when we were baptized with the Holy Spirit, the born-again experience speaks of a well of salvation on the inside of us. And the baptism with the Holy Spirit speaks of the rivers of living water flowing out from our innermost being. Friend, don't be looking for physical things around you. Be looking on the inside where God dwells. Be looking on the inside where you have the tree of life on the inside. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I came to, I came to your church and there weren't any crosses around and there weren't any this around and any dead around. Listen, let's not get too tied up with physical things Amen. and relics and uh, candles and... <clears throat> Hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> no good putting a, a cross up on, on the wall somewhere, but Jesus still on it. Jesus is no longer on the cross. <laughs> if you want to put anything anywhere, then put a picture of the tomb with the stone rolled away. Because Jesus is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. <laughs> I tell you, there is this thing in man, that, that kind of uh, fleshly longing to have physical things that they can touch, that they can caress and sort of carry with them and say, look, I got Jesus. No, you're not born again. You, you haven't got Jesus in your hand. He's on the inside of you. <laughs> He's in your spirit. <laughs> so don't be looking for physical things and, and for things that, uh, you, <laughs> as I say, there is that aspect to, to the human nature that just likes to, wants to see physical things. I want to see physical evidence. I need something that I can touch. Uh, well, just close your eyes and just thank Jesus that he's on the inside of you, yeah. that you got the tree of life that you're carrying around with you. You're born again. And if you're filled with the spirit, you got rivers of living water flowing forth from your innermost being. And it's like right there. We don't look for physical rivers. We don't look for physical trees. We look, if you like, to the inside where God dwells and where God wants to flow out. God wants to come out. In the Old Testament, <laughs> I was listening to Phil Pringle many years ago and like, wow, talk about an inspirational speaker. And he talked about the temple in the Old Testament. And, uh, you know, in, initially it was the tabernacle of Moses and the presence of God was like in the Holy of Holies and uh, 
some of you Bible college students, you'll see that that's a module that's coming up and you'll like see the detail of it like you've never seen it before. But uh, then later on, the temple was built after the pattern of the tabernacle. And of course, we know when Jesus came and he died on the cross, that curtain that was in the temple uh, to separate... Um, you know, like to that, sep that curtain that separated people from the presence of God was torn from top to bottom. And, you know, Bible scholars tell us that means we can now approach God and we can come right up rather than have to go through a, a mediator, rather than having to go through priests and what have you, because Jesus Christ himself is the mediator between man and God. And, uh, and so we've always understood that, you know, the, the, the way into God is now, is now open, but Phil, <laughs> Phil Pringle says, he says, man, that curtain was torn. God got out of there. He says, I don't like this horrible place anymore. I want to get out. I want to be amongst the people. And I thought that was a good concept, that God wanted to get out uh, rather than allowing people to come in, that God wants to get out. And God does not want to be contained in little temples. And God does not want to be contained on the inside of you. Yes, let's rejoice that we're born again. Yes, let's rejoice that we've got rivers of living water. But they want to, it wants to flow out. God wants to flow out. If you're carrying revival, God wants us to spill it on somebody else. <laughs> so God referred to himself as the fountain of living water. He dwells in our innermost being, in our spirit, and wants to flow out to others around us to bring salvation, first and foremost, to bring healing, to bring deliverance, and to bring abundance. See, poverty is not of God. Poverty is of the devil. Wherever that river flows, it brought life, it brought increase, it brought prosperity, it brought growth, it brought fertility, um, and just incredible uh, fertile lands uh, that had previously been arid lands, non-productive, presence of God turns up and everything starts to produce. And not just produce as a rate that, at a rate that we might be able to get our head around as to what happens today, that, you know, in certain places with market gardens, they might pull out two, two, three harvests a year. Well, when God turns up at that level there, we're talking 12 harvests a year, like every month another lot of fruit, another month and another lot of fruit, and just, you know, just fertility that is just mind-boggling. But God wants to do that. And God does not want us to wait until we get into the millennium to see all of that. God wants to bring that to pass in your life and in my life today, that there is abundance, that wherever that river flows, it'll bring life. Wherever it flows, it'll bring abundance. Wherever it'll flow, uh, it will bring healing and blessing. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, um, Paul says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? It's like he says, reminding them, hey guys, you guys are New Testament believers. Let's get away from the Old Testament picture. I mean, yes, we can learn from it, and yes, we know what that looked like, but, but we, God no longer lives in, te in temples made with hands. God lives in you and in me. He lives in us as believers. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? In, the, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So if you like, uh, that our bodies become the container, our bodies become the, the, the temple of God where God lives on the inside. And rivers of living water 
want to flow out. That's why Paul, when he's talking to the Corinthian believers who had gotten involved in all kinds of sexual sin, he says, you guys don't realize, he says, that, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's certain things that you do not do with your body because your body is a temple. And he says, and whoever in the Old Testament, whoever defiled the temple, there will be judgment. And he says, and you defiled the temple, there will be judgment. So treat your body with respect. Treat your body in a holy sort of a sense that certain things we don't engage in. Why? Because God's on the inside of us. This is a, a temple, a physical temple, if you like. And because we know specifically that God lives in our spirit. Do you not know that you're the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? And so in terms of keeping with our study here, when we are talking about getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and God really wants there to be an increase all around in the body of Christ. Even not just, not just amongst, quote-unquote, non-spirit-filled people, but amongst spirit-filled people. Because there's many people that will claim to be spirit-filled, but if you were to check, you know, if they were a dipstick. <laughs> if they were a dipstick. And you check, like, all right, let's, let's, let's measure Let's measure. How, many, how much Holy Spirit do we have in there? How many you know what a dipstick is? For those of you that drive cars, you lift up the bonnet and you grab the dipstick, pull it out and wipe it down and stick it back in and then quickly pull it out and then have a look. <laughs> if there were a dipstick to measure Holy Spirit, there'd be a lot of people that uh, Holy Spirit's barely touching the dipstick. They're just scraping the bottom of the barrel. There's like letting, letting Holy Spirit like run way down, way down. God wants us to be filled. In fact, when we lift the dipstick, it's like <laughs> there ought to be a oozing out of Holy Spirit already. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. What's the gauge? What's, what's the measurement? Well, if people walk in the flesh constantly... You know, it's not like, oh, I just made a mistake. Oh, sorry, forgive me, Lord, I repent. But if people are constantly in the flesh, they're not filled. So that's the gauge. It's when we touch them and, and love flows out of them, they're filled. But when we poke somebody and the claws come out, they're not filled. And the veins pop out and they show teeth. They're not filled. Christians! Christians! Because I'm not talking about you this morning. I'm talking about the others that are not here. <laughs> so we need to understand it. And it's in your outline there. But rivers of living water can only flow out from us to the level that we are filled with the Spirit. And typically the outflow does not exceed the inflow. Have you know that you can turn a bottle upside down? And you can't get it to pour out what you haven't put in there before. It's just not possible. And so it is in terms of rivers of living water. If we've made an effort to get ourselves filled, there's a perpetual river flowing out. There's perpetual love flowing out. There is a kind of a positive encouragement flowing from us that we encourage us rather than discourage us, that we speak life-giving words rather than negative and death-giving words, that we don't engage in gossip but we only speak good things and, and that we don't let no corrupt communication flow out of our mouth but only words that are good for edifying and for building up. How do you know what we're talking about? We're getting filled. 
And I was just having that sense this morning that uh, one of the reasons why, why Christians having struggles to get themselves filled through speaking in tongues, because speaking in tongues is not very spectacular after it's all said and done. There's nothing spectacular about it. I mean, it's supernatural. Don't, I don't mean to minimize it, but you know, you get to speak in tongues and whether you sit down, stand up, or walk around, it doesn't matter. But some of it is like, oh, some of it is almost like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, okay, I've spoken now. What what we do next? No, just keep speaking, keep speaking, keep speaking. Because the, the spectacular stuff begins to happen when we flow out. You know, the spectacular things happen when, when we lay hands on people. The spectacular things happen when we pray and stuff begins to happen. But the actual infilling part is many times not that spectacular. Many times the initial infilling at the baptism of the Holy Spirit and when we spoke in tongues. In some instances it's been quite dramatic and quite spectacular. But the subsequent fillings are quite... I don't mean to use the word ho-hum because I don't want to minimize the speaking in tongues. But you know what I'm saying? There's that whole aspect of where it's actually not all that uh, speaking in tongues, not all that exciting. And this is where people want to do exciting things. Well, if you saw what took place in the realm of the spirit and how exciting it is, you'd speak in tongues all day. You'd speak in tongues all day. Like you just, you just, every available moment, you because in the realm of the spirit, something's really happening. But we interpret it from a natural mindset, uh, it might not appear all that exciting. So it's a whole aspect of the infilling that uh, we need to recognize. You know, that's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. When it comes to speaking in tongues, we absolutely need to walk by faith and walk with an understanding of what the Word gives us rather than of what it feels like at the moment. Because, you know, we could speak in tongues for half an hour and feel no different after than what we felt before. We might do, but as I say, you know, we don't walk by feelings. We walk by what the Word tells us. We walk by the understanding that the Scriptures gives us. The Bible says that he who builds himself, he who speaks in tongues, builds himself up. Building up yourself on your most holy faith. And so that's what the Bible tells us about. And so that whole aspect of speaking in tongues where Pentecostal believers almost like drop the practice because it is not as exciting as what it once seemed. And somehow the, the, the mundane aspect of just, you know, repeating words over and over and over and then people let it rain. And you take the dipstick and you measure and then there's not much there. You know, it's barely touching the, the, uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You know, the measure the well of salvation, but there's nothing oozing out. There's nothing bubbling forth. There's not anything coming from uh, the innermost being. And yet Jesus says, rivers, rivers of living water shall bubble forth from your innermost being. Let me come back to, uh, again to the varying levels uh, that uh, Ezekiel experienced in that vision that he saw. Uh, there's really something, something significant in there that I, feel, I believe God wants us to understand and God wants us to be functioning in. We've said earlier on that uh, as we grow in the things of the Lord, uh, 
We are able to progressively receive greater measures of the Holy Spirit. If we are doing our spiritual exercises, our capacity increases. You know, if you fill a half liter bottle and turn it upside down, uh, you'll get a half a liter of, of water flowing out of it. You fill a liter bottle, you get a liter of water flowing out of it. You fill a two liter bottle and on it goes. You see, we are growing. We might have a half, half liter capacity, but if we do the right thing and we do our spiritual exercises, you know, that capacity increases and we're able to receive and hold much more and pour out much more than what we did at the beginning. Even though the beginning might have been more spectacular as far as the infilling is concerned, but after a while as we learn to just get ourselves filled by speaking in tongues, worshiping God, getting involved in prayer meetings and so forth, getting ourselves filled like right up. Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 3. Um, Ezekiel speaking, he says, measuring as he went. So this angelic being had a, 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 a reed, uh, had a measuring stick, if you like. Measuring as he went, he took me 1,500 feet along the stream and told me to go across. So 1,500 feet, uh, they reckon that's about, what, half a mile, half a kilometer, uh, thereabouts. Um, at that point, the water was up to my ankles. And he measured off another 1,500 uh, feet. Um, this is downstream. And he told me to cross again. This time the water was up to my knees. And verse 5 says, 1,500 feet after that, it was up to my waist. And another 1,500 feet, it had become a river so deep that I wouldn't be able to get across until I were to swim. It was too deep to cross on foot. As I said before, this is a vision of a future happening that we are not at this point in time participating in physically, but there is a present-day application where we get ourselves filled with the Holy Spirit and we can experience these increasing measures of the, uh, of the Holy Spirit in each and every one of our lives. So the life-giving water um, flowed out as a trickle uh, in verse 2. In fact, different translations of the Bible says that it trickled out from under the temple. There was like a trickle uh, flowing forth. And then it flowed down 1,500 meters, and he measured, and he told Ezekiel the prophet to go through it, and he kind of waded through the water, splashed around a bit, he came up to his ankles. So there was an increase. Uh, it, it, it increased from a trickle to a, a brook of water, if you like. Um, and then they measured another 1,500 meters, and he walked through it, and now he came up to his, uh, to his knees. It's like now we're talking we're getting into a, into a stream. So from a trickle to a brook to a stream, another 1,500 meters, and it came up to his waist. Now, have you know when you've got water coming up to your waist, you're talking you've got a substantial body of water. Um, and you know, they tell us that uh, in, in fast-flowing water, and particularly in New Zealand with our outdoors and everything else, you get into tramping and hunting situations and everything. I've been in the hills and, and some of these fast-flowing streams, you get into knee-deep water and, and you've got to hold on because you're liable to get swept away. Uh, if, if it flows fast, like, you know, at that point, like, you know, you're getting into a situation where you're liable to lose control. Um, but when it gets up to waist deep and it's fast flowing, you probably haven't got much of a chance to stay on your feet. Because um, at that stage, at that stage, our body in water is no longer as heavy to put us weight on, on our feet to keep us, you know, in, in a stable sort of a situation. We are liable to sort of get, you know, to start drifting downstream. And uh, you see, the deeper we go in the spirit, the less weight your flesh has. See, people's flesh wants to control them all the time. 
People's fleshly minds doesn't want to lose control. They say, I don't like this business of speaking in tongues because I don't know what I'm saying. I don't want somebody controlling my tongue. Well, you know, it begins with controlling the tongue. The Bible tells us that our tongue is actually like the rudder of a ship or like the steering wheel of a car. And if God can get a hold of our tongue, he can get a hold of our whole life. And so I say it again, the deeper we go in the things of the Spirit, the less weight our flesh has. And we're carried by the Spirit in the Spirit, and we're walking in the Spirit, and, and, and so forth. And there's just a different lifestyle available that is not possible when we're just splashing around in ankle-deep waters uh, of the Spirit. So another, um, another um, 1,500 uh, 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 feet or another half a mile, if you like, it increased to wasted water, and he told him to go through it again, and then it's another 1,500 uh, feet thereafter. It's like he went in there and suddenly had to swim. Um, how many of you have ever swum in a, uh, in a fast-flowing stream of water, river of water? Now, I have on a couple of occasions. You've got to watch it, like you've got to watch it. <laughs> like, like there's not much control. You might be able to move back and forth a little bit as you flow downstream, but in terms of you know, deciding to swim upstream, it's not possible. Like, uh, you know, like you just, you, the river is now taken over. And that's the whole picture there. When we get into the river of life, when we get into the river of God, the river of God's presence, the river of his spirit, and we learn how to get ourselves filled up. We're no longer splashing around in just uh, ankle deep water. We're not just sort of testing the waters carefully because it now goes up to our, to our knees and possibly up to our waist. We are now swimming in this stuff. And now we're actually no longer fully in control. And you know what? Ultimately, when it comes to the, to the things of the Spirit, ultimately it's all about who or what controls us. Human nature wants to control itself. The reality is if we want to control ourselves, we're going to be controlled by the flesh. And we're liable to be controlled by the devil. But when we allow ourselves to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, then we are flowing in a place of the Spirit. And, we, and the flesh doesn't have the weight and the control over us anymore. Addictions begin to drop away at that point. You see, people feeding addictions on and on and on. It's just the flesh. How I mean, you know, our born-again spirit doesn't need, it doesn't need nicotine. It doesn't need alcohol. It doesn't need drugs. I mean, our born-again spirit is like, it's just, it's just living. It's just, it's got the life of God on the inside. The addictions are in the soul and the addictions are in the body. And the addictions are in the flesh where the flesh craves. I want this. I want that. And if I can't get it, I'll just kick and fuss and cry and complain until I can get it. The depth of the river speaks of the believer's walk with God. And that's the application for us today. See, if somebody were to splash around in, 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 a, in a brook running back and forth um, with, um, you know, with, uh, with uh, up to ankle deep, you know, if you like, their, their feet are going to get wet. If somebody were to run through water that's up to the, to the, to the knees, well, their legs are going to get wet. But they're still in control. And many Christians say, I don't like it any deeper than ankle deep. I want to be in control. I don't like this laughter business. 
I don't, I don't want to get emotional. I don't, I don't want to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'll embarrass myself if I cry. You see, but when the Holy Spirit really takes over, there's liable to be laughter. There could be a few tears. There could be an emotional aspect of it where you're not 100% and absolutely in control of every aspect of your life. Possibly dignity could go out the window a little bit because suddenly like people could fall down and say what fall down it's going to mess up my hairdo <laughs> i tell you we had this dear man in the in the life of our church uh, many 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 years ago and uh <clears throat> not here today so i can tell the story and uh and uh and he was like control freak like control mr 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 in control of himself like all the time and his wife had the capacity to yield to the things of the spirit, like she'd fall down and, you know, like there's manifestation. Well, not only did he not like it, but he got really upset. Like he, got, he got really upset over this whole thing. And, and how do you know that, uh, that uh, he, a man's born again? I mean, I have no doubt in my mind the man was thoroughly born again. Tell at this point in time that he was spirit-filled, but he was definitely born again. He loved Jesus, but there was a fear in his life that he'd lose control or that, that he'd lose control. See, some guys like to control their wives. But when the Holy Spirit begins to control her, they don't like it. But listen, if the Holy Spirit begins to control your wife, she's going to be a better wife. And some of you women need to pray that your man's going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. He's going to be a better husband. And that your kids are going to be controlled by the Spirit. They're going to be better kids. Amen. You know, the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, he's, uh, Peter speaking, he says, Holy Spirit is to you and to your children. So children can get baptized with the Holy Spirit and come under the influence of the Spirit. And it is entirely possible for, a sm for little kids, you know, to speak in tongues and, get, and think it's perfectly normal. Right. I remember when... Uh, our kids were growing up, and because we've got four adult kids now, and we got a grandson, which is really awesome, and there's going to be other grandson, grandchildren soon, and praise God for that. <laughs> I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying that that's what plans to have. And I remember when kids were small, and Vanessa would gather them up on, on bed in the evening, and before I put them into bed and tuck them in and, you know, whatever. She'd have them sitting on the bed and say, all right, let's all pray in the Spirit and let's pray in the Spirit and let's prophesy. You know, his four little kids sitting in the, in, on the bed. And some of them sort of look at each other. And, but, you know, after a while they got used to it, used to speaking in tongues. And, and uh, you know, when adults got fleshly minds, kids got fleshly minds that they, they need to get over and to get, 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 you know, to a place where speaking in tongues is just absolutely normal. That's why I love when kids come into our prayer meetings and when kids are here when we got our all-night prayer prayer meeting going on and there's kids lying around I just absolutely love it because it should be perfectly normal for kids to be in an environment where tongues is spoken as part of our spiritual expression not like oh let's all like quietly uh, you know quite no 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 let's, let's it's normal speaking in tongues is normal the spirit wants to express itself, and one of the ways that our spirit expresses itself towards God is speaking in tongues. So I just love it when, when that happens. So here it is, little kids sitting on the, on the bed, and they were praying in tongues, and they were prophesying. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, the Holy Spirit is to you and to your children, so don't deny the children the experience. The children need to be led to the Lord. They need to be born again. And you don't wait until you've got some 18-year-old rebel on your hands. 
say, oh, I'm going to get in and make up their own mind. No. You make up their mind for them. Don't be all PC and all of that nonsense today that kids have to find their own way. If they were to find their own way, why do we have so many rebels running around? Why is our prisons filled with people that gone berserk and amok somewhere? It's because they have not been born again and filled with the Spirit and controlled by the Spirit. So, so get your kids get into a place of being born again. And don't wait until it happens in children's church. I mean, hopefully it'll happen. And, and you know, our, our, our children's church are, are trained to just get, get the children born again. That's, that's important. But ideally, uh, they should be bo- get born again with their parents leading them to the Lord and then get them filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, somehow, somehow work out to have some teaching at a level where they can understand and get them filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues. That's normal. All right? Absolutely normal. But you know what, if the parents are getting a bit uncomfortable because they're splashing around in needed water in the river of the Holy Spirit, have you know that then the kids are not liable to get all that excited over it because it's like, you know, that spirit of uh, we're going to control our own lives is liable to get on the kids. And ultimately we want the kids' lives to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. We want them living according to the Word. We want them have to have the teaching of the Word so, so the, the, the Word of God becomes the creed by which we live. It becomes the instructions for life. That we're not doing as politicians are telling us, or psychologists are telling us, or the new ages are telling us. We're doing as the Word of God tells us. So that whole aspect of uh, the river and the varying degrees of depth speaks of the believer's life in the Spirit. And, and, and here is what really concerns me, is that many Christians will testify. They say, when I got born again, it was like, wow, it was like exciting. And, and then I got filled with the Spirit, and wow, it was exciting. But, you know, a couple of three, five years later, it's like things have rained a bit on me. If I'm really honest, things have sort of petered out a little bit on me. Listen, it's meant to go the other way around. The river increased in depth as time went on. Ezekiel going downstream with that angelic being and then measured another, another half a mile and then it was deeper and another half a mile it was deeper. And then after, after two miles, uh, two and a half miles, the river was so deep you could only swim in it. And at that point, as I say, you don't control your own destiny anymore. It's the river. It's the river of God. It's the Spirit of God that controls your destiny, controls your future, taking care of your past and flowing uh, in the things of God. You know, that river there speaks of the believers walk with God in terms of their yieldedness and obedience to God and their hunger for and their openness towards the things of the Spirit. You know, there is an aspect where, they said, uh, Brian Houston uh, from Hillsong in Australia preached a, a message or a series of messages, and he made an interesting observation. He said that in terms of his... You know, in terms of his aging, he says he noticed that it becomes harder and harder to keep himself physically fit. 
uh, because, you know, kind of age sets in a bit and, uh, and then he got it that much harder to stay muscle toned and, 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 and so forth. And, uh, and he says in the realm of the spirit, there's an aspect to it where, you know, when things sort of wane a little bit, that you got to just pick yourself up and you got to just pump away. You got to just speak in tongues. You got to just worship God and you don't let that, that boredom set in uh, where everything just becomes mundane and everything just becomes like whole hum. It's retaining that excitement in the realm of the spirit where we get filled right up and watch God pour rivers of living water forth from our innermost being and not just touching our lives but touching the lives of other people. It's just even serving. It could be as simple as being one of the greeters in the house to welcome people and shake their hand and allow the Spirit of God to flow from you. See, many Christ, people's Christianity is boring because they're not serving anybody. They're not giving out anywhere. They're just sitting and it's just same old, same old, same old. Not you, of course, but some, some of the others. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When Ezekiel was sent through that river of water, um, uh, through that stream, through that brook, it was like walking in the Spirit in a sense. As we said before, ankle-deep water, his his physical body still had the same weight. He was still able to control. Yes, he splashed around a bit. Yes, he got wet a little bit, but it was not until he got down to knee deep to waste it water until he started to flow, until the, 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 his own body weight lost its, uh, its, its uh, ability to control his life. And you see, when we get filled with the Spirit and we are flowing in the river, the flesh doesn't have its weight. The flesh does not control us. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Get into the flow of the river of God's presence. Walk according to God's word. Get yourself filled with the spirit and get yourself filled with the word and give out and go and bless somebody else. Uh, go and visit somebody, encourage them. Get involved on a small group level. Pray for other people and so forth. And that's when Christianity takes on an exciting path and an exciting aspect because you see uh, that whole aspect of the Dead Sea, you know, it's been pointed out that the Sea of Galilee, as you travel from north to south uh, down through the through the, the country of Israel, you got the Sea of Galilee where the river uh, is flowing into it from the Lebanon area with ice and snow melting flowing into that uh, uh, Sea of Galilee and then the water flows back out, out again down into the, Red sea, uh, into the Dead Sea. You know, they tell us that the Sea of Galilee is teeming with life. There's water flowing into it and there's water flowing out of it. But the, the Dead Sea is only receiving water. It's giving nothing out. Everything just evaporates. And it is as dead it can be. And so it is sometimes with the Christian life, their, their Christian life is going to be boring on them because they're not giving anything out. They're not serving. They're not stretching themselves, even in the area of giving financially. There's not any vision in terms of growing spiritually. And, and if there is, they don't know what to do and everything else. But as I say, that's why we are preaching how-to messages. If by now, after three and a half weeks of preaching on the blessing of of uh, Pentecost and get filled with the Spirit. If by now you're not speaking more in tongues, you missed, you missed the boat. <laughs> See, we could get really excited like, wow, that wasn't a fantastic measure. What are we doing about it? Are we practicing? Are we, have we picked up on this whole thing and are we, are we flowing in it? So walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill, fulfill the lusts of the flesh. 
in the Amplified Translation. Same, same verse here. It says, but I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responding to, uh, responsive to, and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then he will certainly not gratify the, the cravings and the desires of the flesh of human nature uh, without God. See, the river has a certain determined direction that it takes. Initially, it flowed out from that uh, temple that was built in Jerusalem, flowed eastward down that Kidron Valley, and then it joined up with the valley where the Jordan River flowed down on into the Red Sea. It was a kind of a predetermined path. You see, when we get born again, God's got a kind of a predetermined path for every one of us. And, uh, but we need to flow with the river. And Vanessa and I came up from the South Island uh, where we got married and so a young couple became to Wellington. It's kind of en route to go somewhere else. I sort of had a vision for where I was going to go. And God captured us. Said, so God says, I got a predetermined course for your life. If I let my, if I let my, my flesh dominate me, I'd be traveling around the world. Like I'd be going places like all the time. That was like, that was something that was like a, that uh, uh, you know, a good desire can become a desire of the flesh that will absolutely take you out of God's will. I've sometimes watched people that uh, disconnect from a local church environment where they're growing and where they're going somewhere to just go and do something that in itself is not a bad thing, but, but somehow it's outside of God's predetermined course for their life. And suddenly they're backslid and suddenly they're no longer in the river of God and suddenly they're making all sorts of funny noises that they didn't make before. And suddenly you hear negativity and you see hear cynicism and you hear all sorts of things that you didn't hear before. Because when we're amongst the people of God who are filled and we have filled ourselves, there's a certain sound to this whole thing. The sound that is positive, a sound that is filled with, with faith and with encouragement rather than another sound. So it's all about who or what controls us. To be filled with the Spirit means to be controlled by the Spirit. If I claim to be filled, I've got to be controlled by the Spirit. If I'm not controlled, I cannot claim to be filled. In fact, that's exactly what the Living Bible uh, sort of emphasizes here in in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Don't uh, drink too much wine, for many evils lie along that path, but be filled instead with the Holy Spirit and be controlled by Him. You see, it'd be much better for people to rather than invite people around to have a sort of a, a drink or something, they come around, let's have a prayer meeting together and let's get into the things of the Spirit. How many of you know that's true? And the person next to you say, that's true. Just tell them it's true. You know it's true. Be filled instead with the Holy Spirit and controlled by Him. Just being a part of a prayer meeting, a lot of us starting one somewhere. Even if there's two, three, five people coming together to pray and let's pray, let's trust God as we're praying in the Spirit that God will use our prayers to affect other people. As our prayers, there's like rivers of living water flowing out as we pray. And wherever that river goes, uh, it'll bring life, it'll bring blessing. In the uh, Voost 
uh, New Testament, uh, same passage here, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He just jumps right over that aspect of uh, being filled, and he calls it control. Here's what he says. And stop being intoxicated with wine, in which state, state of intoxication there is a profligacy. Profligacy? All right. But be constantly controlled by the Spirit. Constantly. So clearly, people that get into the booze and get drunk are clearly not controlled by the Holy Spirit. Clearly not. Because the Bible contrasts the two. One is of the flesh, the other one is of the Spirit. Be constantly controlled by the Spirit. So friends, let me say it again. Uh, we are in the last days. This is no accident that we are speaking along these lines right now. I believe that God's preparing us for the future. I believe God's preparing us in these last days for the days that lie ahead. It would be wrong for us to say that everything's going to be sweet in the future. Everything is just going to be easy. The, the Bible says in the last days, perilous times will come. Stressful times will come. Men's hearts will fail them for fear. Uh, all sorts of stuff's going to go down. The Bible speaks of earthquakes, of floods, of, uh, of uh, nation rising up against nation. And then uh, we've got civil wars going on around the world. And, you know, we're kind of thrilled that a lot of it is like way offshore from us. But, you know, you just, you just don't know what the devil wants to bring into, into our community, what he wants to bring into our nation and so forth. So God's preparing us for the last days. So let's learn to be filled and let's learn to remain filled. Let's walk in the river of God. Let's, uh, let's not be uncomfortable. Let me tell you right now, there is a sense uh, that gentleman that I told you about before um, uh, that got so upset when his wife fell down and kind of, uh, as it were, sort of just fell out under the spirit. He got so upset. He wasn't absolutely going to have it himself. And he got so annoyed when, uh, when it happened to his wife. How do you know it's difficult for the spirit of God to visit a man like that? And to touch him if he's filled with, with, with fear and, and with anger at such a thing happening. And sometimes there is that hesitation in Christians. You can even, you can even build churches. Now there's people in, uh, there's churches in America that publicly state that they, we do not speak in tongues. You can come to our church and people will rush along there because they don't speak in tongues. Because some people are looking for churches where people don't speak in tongues. I mean, what is the tragedy with that? What is the tragedy with that? Amen. So, you know, there's an aspect of the flesh that even being born again, the flesh just says, I want to be in charge. There will be nobody that will be moving on my tongue and on my mouth to make me say words that I cannot understand. Right. We're going to have religion. We're going to have things that we can touch and that we can stroke. We're going to have things hanging on the wall that make us feel good. But don't give us that stuff with the Spirit. It's tragic. It's, it's absolutely tragic. Friends, we're people of the Word. Amen. And we're people of the Spirit. Right. And you thought that we might have wild services in the past. You watch this space. You watch this space. As we get deep into the river, there's like, sometimes we call it in a sort of a joking sense, like Holy Spirit pandemonium. It's like, like Holy Spirit chaos. You know, but man likes everything like orderly. We want all our ducks in a row, but when the Spirit takes over, there's suddenly things that begin to happen and things be that begin to flow. That, uh, that, uh, but you know, that's where the healing is. That's where deliverance is. 
That's where victory lies. When the flesh in our life no longer has the weight to control its own destiny, so to speak, but the Spirit of God controls our destiny.